You're listening to the Watling and Owen Show. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Watling and Owen Show here back on a Monday. I know we only had one episode this week. I know people get up in arms about that, but schedules are weird right now. You know, Matt's got his, his brand new shiny uh, job. You know, I've got stuff going on, too. So we're back, though. Monday seemed to be a nice staple for us, and it's a big show today. It is a big show. We're doing a bit of an MLB preview with the Yankees and the Mets, but it's almost hard to consider it a preview more like just looking over where the current teams are. I mean, obviously we will talk big picture, but a lot of news has happened with these two teams, you know, just the last couple of days. So that's, it's exciting. It certainly has Luke. And I'm, I'm surprised that you called it a shiny new job since I've been on the job for two months now. Well, yeah, well, shiny new time this week. Like you usually are working. Yeah. It switches. Sometimes you work morning, sometimes you work afternoon, things like that. About every two weeks we switch and rotate. So you know, in the so summer, that, I think we'll have some more time to, to get stuff going, though, I believe. Yeah, no, I agree. But, I agree. And look, I'm not. I know. I know I'm, it wasn't a shot. I'm just I'm explaining to our, our glorious fan <laughs> that this is what we uh, expect to see going on. You know, fan singular. Yes. It's a brutal shot at ourselves. But <laughs> yeah, this is my nice little window between jobs. And Matt's gracious enough to take a lunch break for us. So we we march on. But we'll start with the Yankees because it, it's Anthony Volpe season in the Bronx after he has earned the starting shortstop job. He has made the team, which was a bit of a surprise. We talked about it last week. I said, I, I want this kind of excitement. I want there to be a new buzzer on the team. This really creates it. Like Aaron Judge is coming off an awesome season, and you know people are going to be excited to watch him. But I, the reaction to Anthony Volpe being called up is it's palpable buzz right now with the Yankees. It, it really is. And it just adds to not even the excitement, but just the, the vibe of the team feels different, right? Because if you threw IKF there, there's really just no juice to this team. It's Aaron Judge who's not going to replicate the excitement that he had last year. I'd be shocked if he, you know, hits 55 hormones, let alone 60-something. You know, Stanton has the injuries. Your your new shiny toy in Carlos Rodon is injured to start the year. A lot of negative, a lot of negativity from the pitching staff wise because of the injuries you've seen. So to bring in Volpe to hear that, you know, a guy like Oswaldo Cabrera could be playing significant time for this team. That's really exciting. Like that is news that gets a fan from, you know, on the brink of, you know, ending it all to, wait, this is something funny that we've got going on. And, you know, I texted you and even though you were, you weren't too thrilled for me, like I'm looking to get to a game in April with my dad and like, he's a guy I want to see. It's Anthony Volpe. I mean, I was thrilled for you, but whatever. You can't tell me that didn't seem sarcastic. I, everything seems sarcastic over text. Like, I don't no, know what you want I me said, to do. I said, that's exciting. I'm so excited because yeah, I'm texted, excited to so watch him play. I said, going play. to the Yanks game in April, and I can't wait to see Volpe. Two hours later, you go, that's exciting. I'm excited. <laughs> like That's that's not sarcastic, though. That, that's just a statement. There is no way you're like, oh, yeah, I'm so excited for you, man. That's awesome. Well, I because I was saying that's exciting, and then I said, I'm, ex- I'm excited just to watch him play. I'm sorry. You know, I had work to do. I can't just be, you know, yapping off. Are you saying I don't have work? You. I don't know. You're you're free to text. Apparently, you know, it took me took me two hours to get back to you. But right. no, I mean, it's interesting because there seems to have been a lot of stock put in spring training performance for the Yankees this year. And like for me, I usually don't just because it's like, OK, who are you facing? Like, are you facing triple A pitching? You know, Greg Bird used to have awesome springs every year and he can never put it together. So it's always kind of one of those question marks. But I mean, Anthony Volpe was great. He hit 314. He had three home runs, 10 extra base hits. Peraza was not good, and he's in AAA. Like, they really made this a competition. I like that. I think it adds that kind of pressure to Volpe. And, you know, it's obviously not 
you know, a World Series stage or competing for a division title. But the fact that he knew, you know, if he performed well, he'd be up. And he did, I think, kind of speaks a lot to this kid. It does. And it doesn't feel like the normal Yankees move. I just I didn't Not expect it. Like, I, I was so shocked a couple weeks ago when Brian Hoke said, hey, it's going to be, you know, Peraza or Volpe. And not even a mention of ICAF, I was floored. Because this is a guy in Brian Cashman, a team that loves to be risk-averse. They love to rely on veterans, the kind of proven commodities that they have. They don't want to rush guys. We saw it with Clint Frazier. We saw it with, you know, Andujar after his little breakout rookie season. We've seen it with so many different guys for them to have the – the guts to say, hey, this 21-year-old who's going to be the youngest guy to make an opening day roster for us in, you know, I think it's been like 50 years. The fact that he's the guy that's going to do it is, it's very telling of what they think of him and just the difference of this team now versus what they've done in the past. Yeah, and for people that haven't watched him play, I mean, he's a guy that has power at the shortstop position. He's a good defender. I know people were kind of worried about his arm. He's looked good in spring and he's fast. I mean, he had 50 stolen bases last year in the minor leagues. And with the new rules, that's a, that's an exciting piece to have. Like you're going to see guys run more. I think Anthony Volpe is going to be one of them just to have that. Like you're not expecting him to come in and hit 300 and hit, you know, 25 home runs, steal 30 bases or anything like that. But I hope he gets the chance to, you know, play every day or play consistent time. Like that's the next question. And I think by calling them up, they're saying we're going to play you because we want to see you we want you to get better. And the only way to do that is consistent playing time, because this is a team that they're in win now mode. But, you know, last year they didn't have a great shortstop offensively and it still worked out. So to get Volpe in the mix here, uh, I'm excited. And I guess the question is now, you know, is he going to be used? And I hope it's pretty much every day. It seems like it is, and and we were talking before the show, or I wrote it in the rundown, is is Volpe going to be our opening day shortstop? And at first I'm like, oh, maybe they'll go for a veteran. Maybe they'll play, you know, DJ there, or they'll have, you know, an older guy there just to ease the pressure off of Volpe. Well, DJ can't play shortstop anymore, right? Like, they tried to move Torres to, set, to short so he can play second. So the fact that that didn't work, and Donaldson's a third baseman, if you're keeping ICAF on the roster, which I just I, I don't see happening, I guess it could. Is your other shortstop option, you know, Cabrera? Yeah, those are that's it. And I don't he's going to be playing a lot of time in the outfield. Yeah, I don't think he's starting. So short. you've got Volpe in a position where he's really your only option, other than Peraza, who presumably is in the minors. And to give him that long leash and that long run time is really special and really important because it's not going to be he's not going to be a 300 hitter this season. And that's okay. He's not going to start that way, at least. And if you can weather the storm without him and have him struggle and have him learn the game, he hasn't played a single game of pro baseball yet at the MLB level, I should say. Like, that bodes really well for a team that has pieces that can, you know, pick up the load around him while they wait for him to develop. I'm also a sucker for those uh, call-up videos. Like, really cool to see Aaron Boone. He tried... The gotcha, though, I don't know. Like, that was kind of, I feel like Volpe knew. Maybe I'm wrong, but it's... His delivery was yeah, off. Yeah, the delivery. He, he had them going. Yeah. And then he didn't wait long enough to say, you're in the MLB. Yeah. Yeah, he... He just, he didn't. He didn't do it. And then you had Brian Cashman sitting in the corner and just staring at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it was awesome. Yeah, definitely. It was, it was a cool video, though. Yeah. And, and you could tell the excitement for, for uh, Volpe and... It's just such a cool story for the kid. Yeah, it is. I mean, New Jersey guy, of course, grew up idolizing Derek Jeter. That was his favorite player. Shortstop for the Yankees. It, it's all there. Like it's all, it's all written 
you know, the, the, the pre-script is great. And now it's just about, you know, how he fills it in with his MLB story. And look, it's been a while since the Yankees had a, a young guy like this. I know they had Glaber Torres, they had Gary Sanchez, but you know, 21 years old and the number three prospect in baseball, the Yankees haven't had that. And they've got some chances now with him, with possibly Peraza, with Jason Dominguez a couple of years from now to have these kind of young, exciting pieces that it seems like the Yankees don't usually have. Which is, it, it's, you say that, but it just kind of, I don't want to say it's fraudulent because you're not wrong, but then you look back and it's like, well, they had, you know, Judge, who I guess wasn't super young when they got, when he came up as a rookie, but he was a nice, cool, fun piece. Like there's what, the 2017 Yankees were that fun, young team that did what they weren't supposed to do. And, and like, we're forgetting them because, you know, half the guys didn't pan out. So th- this crop feels different. Though. Well, yeah, like Glaber Torres was never like a top three prospect in baseball, you know? Or Gary Sanchez, like Judge definitely wasn't. So I think that's the difference is like when Glaber and Gary first came up, there's excitement because like there's new guys, but there wasn't like this feeling where it's like this could be our guy for the next, you know, 15 years. Right. And that's what I was going to bring up next is this is a guy that he he's starting at 21. He could be here till he's 35, 36. Like the, just think about like, and, and it's easier to think about it now when you had Derek Jeter just a few you know years ago and you know a couple of decades ago when he started his career. But when you look at it that way, it's not about the championships, but the idea that a, that a guy could be there for that long is it just feels like safe almost, knowing yeah. how good he is, knowing how young he is. It, it's awesome to to see and to kind of see what his future is going to hold is really neat coming from someone that is going to be you know we'll be going to Yankee games. We see it now watching starting at this moment. It's like you're seeing what could be like Jeter 2.0. Yeah, and shortstop's just such an important position for the Yankees. And since Derek Jeter, like, Didi had a couple of nice years there and I thought did a really good job being that next guy. But since him, it's been a real kind of roulette wheel of who's going to start at shortstop. You mentioned, you know, they tried to throw Glaber Torres in there. They had, like, Steven Drew was playing there at one point. Like, they had all these random guys. And to, to kind of have that hopeful sense of security is exciting. But... Unfortunately, with the Yankees, there is some, you know, there, there always is. There's always the good and the bad. And the bad is the, the pitching suffered yet another injury, a low-grade lat strain to Luis Severino. He's set to hit the IL. So, you know, he's out. Rodon's out. Frankie Montas is out. And now the starting rotation is going to be Garrett Cole, Nestor Cortez, Clark Schmidt, Domingo Herman. It looks like Johnny Brito has kind of entered the conversation. He was awesome on Sunday uh, through five and a third's perfect innings. Uh, he struck out the first three batters and then 10 of the final 13 outs he had were on the ground. So kind of everything you want to see out of a kid. And, you know, right now it lines up. It's going to be actually Cole's going to be game one. Schmidt's going to be game two. And then whoever they decide for that fifth spar- starter spot's going to be number three. So most likely Johnny Burrito. And then you have uh, Domingo Herman and uh, you have Nestor Cortez, excuse me, and then Domingo Herman. So not the not the pitching rotation news you want to start the season. No, but like it, it'll be OK. I guess like you've got your two guys that you really like in Cole and Cortez. I think Herman is on a, on a normal team. I think he could be a, a solid number three pitcher, but really at this point it just comes down to your first two guys. Can Cole and Cortez get off to a nice hot start? If they can do that and, and be those stoppers that you need after the back third, of the, you know, three fifths of the rotation, maybe you can spin around. Do you know why they're not starting Cortez in the second game? It's literally just the, the the way that the rest lined up, like how they were pitching in spring. So like, Schmidt, I, that's just so weird to me. Well, Schmidt starts today, so on a normal 
normal five day rest, he'll be pitching Saturday. But why didn't they schedule it so like Cortez was your second? Well, Cortez was hurt, so I don't think they really had like a, a plan for. I him. mean, did okay. you see the the Mets are pitching Verlander in Game Three? I think. Well, they want Verlander for their uh, home, which opener. is dumb, by the way. But whatever. They want Verlander for the home opener. But why? Just for the money? Well, no, because Scherzer's got. They split up between Scherzer and 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 uh, Verlander. Okay, cool. Wouldn't you rather just have? This is the same thing. Wouldn't you rather just have your second best pitcher be your number two? Are they going to reline it up, or is it always going to be someone in between Scherzer and? Verlander? I assume they re- reline it up. Why isn't Cortez pitching right after Cole? Well, because the rest. But the Mets are literally just doing it so that Verlander can pitch the opening day. Who cares? Whatever. So you're okay. You're, you're selling out opening day no matter you, what. You don't, the fact that bothers that's me. bothering you more than Cortez not being your second pitcher because of rest in spring training, where it doesn't matter, is, is crazy to me. Well, what do you want? Like Cortez is pitching tomorrow, his last spring start. That he's gonna have. Why five couldn't he have done like, it today? Because Schmidt's pitching today. Who cares? Give Schmidt the extra two days rest and have him pitch tomorrow. Well, you want to get them on that schedule to start the season. You want them to on their normal five days. I just I don't understand how. But how did the rest line up this way? It just did. Like it's spring training. You're not pitching like a normal rotation. Like Cortez was hurt. He just started pitching again. Like there's no. It's when it's did not he first weird. pitch? I don't know. Like I just, but do you see what I'm saying? Like, isn't Cortez your number, your two pitcher? He should be pitching second. I I don't know. I whatever. He first pitched uh, March 18th. Okay, so, so yeah, whatever. But it's I just don't know why the Mets thing is bothering the Mets you, Yankee Yankee boy. Because it's no, because it's stupid. Don't call me Yankee, Yankee boy, boy, Luke. No, I'm I'm a Mets boy. Wearing his like, Yankee I, hat and his Aaron Judge onesie right now it's just no it's stupid that you're waiting to pitch verlander so you can start your home opener for what reason you know you want to know the real reason why it is you want to know really why it is and i'll give you the answer it's very simple they're placating to two guys that are used to being number ones in scherzer and verlander they're both asian they're both making a billion dollars and they both want to act like stupid is does he not know that oh wait well, I'm pitching the home opener. That's basically the first game. No, Max Scherzer's pitching the first game. No, but he's, he's a stupid. Cy Young winner. He wants. He wants. So, but would you rather pitch the opener or the home opener? I'd rather pitch the home opener. The I mean, crowd yeah, I would too. Me, the roar of the crowd, the 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 cold city fueled air. This is what it is. Let's be honest. The Mets want to show off their shiny new toy in their first home. Yeah, game. but what's that, wrong with that? Let's call it how it is, though. Let's not pretend it's like oh, like they're both aces. They both is no. They, they want to show aces. off the guy. But who cares who's one and who's two? Like, I don't know. If Verlander pitches better than Scherzer this year, he should be your game one playoff starter. I like, don't think that's to say that he won't be. But right now, I don't know. It seems like we're just going to pander to whatever the. Seems like we're just going to pander to whatever the fans want at this point. So what do you mean whatever the fans want? What are you talking about here? It's just stupid. You should pitch your best number one and your your second best number two, unless it has to do with your rest. Are you high right now, Luke? No, are you I'm on serious. Drugs? It's stupid. You're joking Let's right just, now, right? No, I swear to God. You're getting when I so want, mad over nothing. When I heard about this over the weekend, I couldn't wait to talk about it. I'm so glad you brought it up. It just it's stupid. I don't like it. I just don't understand why you're mad at this. Whatever. Who hurt whatever. you? We'll move on. No one hurt me. It's just like whatever. I hope they lose their second game of the season. And it's like, well, maybe if you pitch Justin Verlander. Yeah, because Clark Schmidt's gonna help the Yankees to a win. <laughs> what? It's rest though. It's fine. If they said, you know what, this is how the rest lines up, that's fine. But they're literally going to do this so that but you can pitches. change the rest. It's spring training. You can move on. You can change the rest. Age. No. You can have them pitch in different times. Pitchers are creatures of habit. You so really if I so they like pitched Cortez one day early, coming back from injury, 
Like that one day made a huge difference. I don't know. Because then you pitch him that day on the 17th to the 18th, and bang, he's your, whatever. Well, here's how stupid it is. It's like they're on the road. The Mets are for the first seven games. So it's like, okay, we're going to we're gonna have Verlander pitch game three so he can pitch game but one. But there's no difference because of the, the rest of the offense. He's still pitching the same amount of times he'd pitch up until that point. Yeah, it's just, it's stupid. You're stupid. But whatever. Well, it's also the Mets don't have a day off. The Yankees do. Wait, so the Mets don't that, have a day off after the first game? No, because they're playing in Miami, so there's not gonna be a rain. Uh, there's not gonna be a rain out. That's a good point. I would hope. Whatever. I'm not gonna fight. That'd be some torrential rain. If it, isn't that a dome? Yeah, it is. Yeah, some pretty crazy rain. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> Let me tell you, like the Vikings' roof collapsed that one time. It could happen. Um, expectations. Expectations for this team. I told you a few weeks ago I was a little down for the Yankees. Okay. I guess we can incorporate the Mets too. They have pretty similar expectations. But adding Volpe to the mix, I think, could be an exciting little wrinkle just because this team has been the same. They go to the ALCS or the playoffs, whatever. They lose to the Astros. They lose to the Rays, whatever it may be. And then they run it all back. And that's my worry is that this is just let's run it back. Let's see what happens. Let's, you know, throw it against the wall, see if it sticks. And I, I hope it sticks. But I'm going to have to see this team in action, which is going to be without three of their starters to start the season before I can be fully confident that this is anything different. But it does kind of feel different a little bit, right? I mean, you're bringing in a shortstop that is exciting and can actually hit the ball, or he's supposed to. You expect Donaldson, you know, Aaron Boone said Donaldson's going to have a great year. And I don't say that to mock you, even though you haven't given <laughs> us uh, this year's predictions. But he's apparently shortened his swing. The, the leg kick is quicker. Is that going to do anything? I don't know. What I do know is it's, it's hard to be worse than it was last year. Uh, in, in the outfield, you know, you don't have Joey Gallo. Like, you had Joey Gallo starting the year last year. And I know Aaron Hicks isn't great, but at least he walks. Like, you can't tell me. Like, the worst person team last year, Joey too. Gallo, is leaps and bounds worse than what Aaron Hicks is. So there is some difference to this team. I think I'd be more excited if Harrison Bader was starting the season and Carlos Rodon were starting the season. Yeah. Like, if they end the season strong, I'll be fine. I'll be chilling because that is different. Like, Rodon is a legit ace, you know, in the number two. Like, he should be lined up to pitch the second opening day for the Yankees so that they can really show him off there. But the, the, whole, <laughs> the whole team is kind of like, it's like, oh, man, we're plugging and playing like Domingo Herman again and Aaron Hicks again. Like once once they're healthy, I think I'll warm up to the idea. And having Anthony Volpe is a nice little distraction for me. But that's kind of my where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm still excited. I, I love opening day for baseball. I love watching, you know, the Yankees. And I like watching the Mets, too. Don't get me wrong. But that's kind of where I, that's where I'm at right now. That's where my head's at right now. And, and we've had this argument for a pretty long time to Luke the last couple weeks this offseason, really like. I expect to see some things change for this team come the deadline. But when you've got when you add all the pieces up to this team, they have the potential to be as good as the Astros are. Yes. They, they do. do. And it, are they gonna meet those expectations? I don't know. DJ Lemayhu's injury history does really scare me. He didn't have certain yeah, he has a toe injury that he just rehabbed. Like, does that often get fixed? Through rehab, I don't know. I am worried about that though. When it comes to the rest of the team. You know, what is Stanton going to be? Rizzo's another year older. You don't really have that, you know, that ideal fourth outfield that you fully trust, whether it is, you know, Oswaldo Cabrera, whether it's Hicks. That makes me a little nervous. And I guess that's really your, your third outfielder because you have Bader and, and Judge and Stanton's your, your DH guy. But I think they have the pieces to make things work. 
It's just a matter of putting them all together for the entire season, or at least when it matters most. But I, I yeah, still do that, think, like, I expect this team to be in the conversation for a World Series. And I think they are probably my third or fourth favorite in the entire MLB to win the World Series behind the Astros. And, and maybe if you want to give the Padres, uh, you know, the leg up on them. Frankly, I think it's the Astros and Yankees one and two. And, and you just kind of go from there. I agree. I'm with you. Like, again, I'm sitting here complaining when it's like, okay, this is a team that made the ALCS last year. It just was so apparent how far behind they were of the Astros. That's what worries you. But if like Stanton's has a great year and, you know, judge steps up in the playoffs, like this is definitely a team that can beat the Astros who, you know, are going to be out without, without Altuve for the beginning of the year. They're going to be without Justin Verlander, who is now with the Mets. So it's a different Astros team too. Now, when I look at the rest of the AL, Toronto's the only other team I see in that conversation and they have to enter it because they've had the talk. They've had the players every year and they haven't backed it up. And you know, the Rays could certainly put it together, but right now I agree. I think it's Astros, Yankees, everyone else. And I think Toronto can enter that conversation. I think Seattle's a touch overrated, to be honest. I don't, I don't know. They, they didn't do anything this off season. So it's like, if everything goes right again for them, they could, but you know, they didn't really make any big ads. You know, Toronto got a lot better pitching wise. They added some bats. So I think those are the two teams, and then Toronto's the third. But, yeah, I mean, playing in the AL is a definite advantage this year. Like, the Mets are going to be in hell all season long in the NL East, whereas the Yankees, yes, the AL East is the strongest division in the AL, most likely, unless, you know, the West steps it up a little bit. But at the same time, like, you'd be shocked if the Yankees missed the playoffs. I, that's not even entering my mind, to be honest. I just, I just don't see that as a possibility. Like, if I told you the Mets missed the playoffs, It'd I be could surprising, buy it. I could buy it. But it'd be it. less surprising because, okay, the Braves had a great year. The Phillies made the playoffs. There's going to be two teams out of the West most likely. You know, the Cardinals and Brewers will be in the mix. So, like, it's more likely there. But for the AL, it'd be a real shock if the Yankees missed the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, that would mean, what, there's three wildcard teams? Is that yeah. right? So, That's true. So that there means are three. You have to lose the division to the Blue Jays. You have to be worse than the Mariners, worse than probably the Angels. Yeah. And then worse than in the, the Rays, maybe. Yeah, the Rays. Central, I don't think, is getting two teams in. No, They're I bad. guess not. I, I guess They're Boston bad. could maybe surprise people. They, they tend to do that and, and overperform, but no. It's really it would like be, if the Yankees came in fourth or fifth in the AL East, which is not going to happen. Yeah, they if, if the Yankees missed the playoffs, I would legitimately just fire everybody. Unless a okay. like, catastrophic injury happens. Yeah, I agree. And let's talk about the Mets here. Um, you were like you were in my brain today, Matt, because I was thinking about all this stuff during work, and you beautifully put it on our prep sheet. And that is, Darren Ruff was DFA today. Uh, he hit 152, no home run, seven RBIs in 28 games last season. Whatever. But the amount that the Mets gave up last year, JD Davis, Thomas the Pucky, uh, Nick Swack, and Carson Seymour, two guys that still have you know some time to make their name in the MLB. I know the Pucky hasn't been great. I know JD Davis is kind of meh. But the amount that you gave up last uh, last trade deadline for the return, which was essentially nothing. I mean, like, Vogelback's still on the team. Cool. No, but, but those, those were four guys made, just for Ruff. Yeah, and that's just for Ruff. Like, just like, this trade in, was a failure because in the sense that now you're eating $3.5 million this year. And you gave up on J.D. Davis, who was better than 152. I, yeah. He wasn't great, but yeah. he was better than 152. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's the thing. They gave up two prospects. They gave up J.D. Davis, who was essentially the same player. Uh, they gave up, you know, more to get guys like uh, Tyler Naquin and Michael Givens. Like, it just, it didn't work out. Last year's deadline did not work out. It's weird because the Mets, 
go full throttle in free agency. And then when it comes to the trade deadline, they're like trying to make all these little moves, which I understand the Yankees do it, but it seems to work for them. Like the Mets have to figure out that balance. I think it changes now though, because you sent down. And I think the Diaz injury is a huge part of that too. It's going to change the mentality for the trade deadline. Yeah. How aggressive do you want to be this year when you don't have your, your guy in, in Edwin Diaz closing, but you, you, you send down Alvarez, you send down Beatty, you send down Vientos. Two of those guys are third basemen, Beatty and Vientos. And then you've got Escobar, who everyone, who, you know, Buck seems to love. He was good at times last year. Like, what kind of gives in this scenario, right? Like, where, you know, are you going to move on from these guys? Are they, tra- are they trade pieces? And I was, you know, doing some research, reading some things. And I think it was like Raising Apple or whatever it's called. Rising Apple was like, hey, if, you know, their initial reaction was, if you're not going to give these guys a roster spot, trade them. And I don't really agree with that because Escobar has got one year left on his deal. But there is some truth to that. Are you going to hold on to these guys forever or are you going to make moves to get your team better? I, I, and you bringing up Edwin Diaz and not having him, Luke, kind of makes me sit in that and hold for a minute. Is it really worth, like, is it worth going all in this year when you don't have Edwin Diaz? Is it worth it to mortgage your future this year when next year you could trade these guys for a piece and really be all in? <sighs> I know, but you have to because Max Scherzer and Justin Verland are on your team. Yeah. Like, you can't sit here and be like, well, we'll just go for next year. Like, Eduardo Escobar is on his last year of his deal. If he's not performing, there's really no reason not to. Although, I don't know who's going to trade for him at that point, but there's no reason not to move on from a guy like him. And I know they like him. I know he can play a lot of positions, but this Mets team is going to be all about putting the best team on the field. And if he's struggling and if Beatty continues to rake, you know, Vientos continues to hit well, but you look in the infield, there's not a lot of room. Like Pete Alonso's not going anywhere. Jeff McNeil's not going anywhere. Lindor is not going anywhere. So it really comes down to Escobar. And if he struggles, that's when I think you'll see one of those guys come up. Yeah, for sure. But again, you've got two to fill one spot. I guess you can have one DH, but you want to sit there and have Brett Beatty, who's supposed to be your, your next stud piece, DH. Well, the, the problem with that is Vogelback can only DH. So, like, if he's going to be on the team. But also, like, I don't, need Vo- I don't need to be, you know, I don't need Locked in Vogelback to, in, my, yeah. in my mind right now. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't need to yeah. be, he doesn't need to exist in this plane when you have Brett Beatty. Yeah, it, it's a problem because the, the outfield right now is kind of where they might need some help just because Brandon Nemo's out. Uh, Starling Marte is coming off somehow tearing both groins, whatever that means. You know, Mark Canna's getting older. Tommy Pham's a nice piece to have. You know, you've got Tim LaCastro hanging out too, but that's not an outfield that really scares you. You know, you want a little power out of your outfield. You're not really getting that here. Well, I know Nimmo's not that kind of player. I, but you, I you don't have an Aaron Judge in right field. Yeah, but I, you know? and I think they do. They are missing a bat, and I'm really shocked that they decided to give up on Correa, even with the injury. I'm surprised they couldn't make that work because that's a bet you could have really liked on this team. And I think it, it, it lengthens your window when you bring in a guy like Correa because he's got that youth and he can, you know, he's not young, but he's not done after this year or next year. Right? He's got what, four or five, six good years left in him. You so hope, yeah. if, if that's the piece you have, it just makes your window that much bigger. And it wasn't a crazy expensive contract or things like that. Um, I'm just I'm really surprised they didn't make that work because that's the bet you could have liked. And maybe your outfield doesn't give you as much power, but you got some you know power in Alonzo. You've got hopefully power in your DH. You like what you know um Lindor brings to the table, and maybe that's enough to make it work. See, that's my big problem though, and I said it last year too, is I'm worried about the the home run output on this team. 
Like they, it happened last year where they can put this, they can string together hits at certain points, but at some point you want you want the ball to leave the yard, and they weren't great at that last year. I mean, you look at the home run leaders. Yankees had 254 last year. Mets had 171, and the teams in in between them, you know, the Braves were second, the Brewers were third, the Astros, the Dodgers, the Phillies, the Blue Jays, like teams that are going on runs hit home runs, and it's not everything because you've got like the Diamondbacks hit more home runs than them. It doesn't matter, but. Out of that lineup, it's like really Alonzo and Lindor are the only power threats. So you're relying a lot on these guys continuing to hit for good average, moving the chains, if you will, and trying to push runs across. Like it can work. It probably will work. But once the playoffs came and the bats got quiet, they didn't have that ability to 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 get that big blow. Yeah, it's it's something that we'll probably have to have a conversation of this entire season. Right. Do they have enough power? Do they have that kind of factor that good teams have. And the counter argument is, oh, you don't need home runs. Like, look at the Yankees. They strike out a billion times. But there is a balance of both. And the Mets yeah, don't have enough of that home run power. But I think you can find that. Like, I think Lindor could have, a uh, you know, more production in the home run category. You know, I think maybe if Beatty or Vientos get called up, like, those are guys that could have some True. power eventually come their way. Maybe Vogelback in an everyday role who – is, you know, more ready to hit, you know, to play 140 games, 130 games. Maybe he's has that consistency and finds some power. But this is I a team both- that is not built on hitting. It's built on their starting rotation, right? Like, you, yeah. you have two guys, well, older. Like, you trust Verlander to give you more starts than DeGrom. You trust Scherzer to, I guess, not be injured like he was for parts of last year. You like Quintana, who's eventually coming back, you know, at some point. I guess Kode Senga, you don't really know what he is, but you expect him to be pretty good. Like, you got some nice pieces in, in your rotation, and you've been fairly healthy from that standpoint. So this isn't going to be a, a bash-your-brains-in kind of team. It's going to be a little more nuanced. No, their, their rotation is in a lot better spot than I was. I thought this guy was going to fall, and it didn't. Like, their worst piece being David Peterson is not the worst thing in the world. Senga is going to obviously be a big X factor because we don't know what he's going to be in America, but if he can be, you know, great and live up to his contract, that's, that's a pretty solid top three in your rotation. And Carrasco, look, he battled a lot of injuries last year. I don't know how much more he has in the tank, but he can find something. But he's you fairly could... young, isn't he? Carrasco? I mean, he's no, not he's... old. He's not like, he's not, deg- he's not like Scherzer old. No, but he's, what is he? He's 36. Oh yeah. He is pretty old. I expect. He, like, yeah. He's been in the league for a minute. He's been in the league for a minute. But when I look at this, uh, both these lineups, this is the last point I want to make about lineups. There's like redundancy in both of them that you kind of wish they could just swap. Like the Yankees could use a Brandon Nimmo and the Mets could use a Giancarlo Stan. Like they, they kind of have some redundancies where if the Yankees have Stan and Rizzo, like strike out a lot, hit home runs, low average. And then the Mets have McNeil and Nimmo who are like, they'll hit for average, not hitting for home runs. Like it's kind of funny to see like the two lineups we talked about last year, the contrast, like you could almost like see both teams being like, man, like I could use a little bit like the Yankees could use a little Nemo guy that's going to get on base for Aaron judge and, and Rizzo behind him. And like the Mets could use a guy like Stanton that, you know, he's going to strike out a lot, but when he gets a hold of one, like he's still hitting some home runs, which is, I don't know. It's just kind of an interesting thing that I thought of. No, it is. And like, that's a good point because you're missing all the power in the Mets lineup, but you're missing all the contact in in the Yankees. And I just, it's interesting to see how far we're going to go to criticize these teams while they're still like, they could both win 100 games and we wouldn't be shocked. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Mets almost did it last year. No, they won 101. 
Oh yeah, they, and the Yankees oh, yeah. won like ninety nine. Yankees won ninety nine. Yankees won ninety nine. But the Mets missed the division, which is what they right. really wanted. So that, that's a big question for the Mets: is can they win this division? I think they can. The Phillies have injuries. Reese Hoskins is hurt. Um, you know, Trey Turner is a nice add for them. The Braves, I, I get the Braves talk. You know, maybe they can get uh, Mike Soroka back and healthy. You know, he's he started a pitch, but Acuna wasn't great last year. I know they won the division, but. <sighs> I, I still take the Mets. I think they have the best team in the NL East. Would you take the Mets or the field? I mean, in that case, you kind of have to take the yeah, field. Yeah, okay. I mean, I think Just because you're getting team... two chances there. But I, to be honest, I don't see the Phillies competing for the division. I think this is Mets and Braves. I, I know the Phillies won on that run, but like they weren't a great team. They just pieced together a great run. They're without Bryce Harper to start the year. Reese Hoskins is out. Like they, They've got a lot to overcome, and their bullpen's not great. So you take the field because you get that chance with the Phillies, but... I still think this is Mets versus Braves. Yeah, and and I think those three teams are in the thirty percent, you know, likelihood chance to win the division. Maybe the Mets are higher at thirty eight, and you know, maybe the Phillies are, are lower at thirty one, thirty percent. But it's it's all very similar in, in my eyes. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, but yeah, look, these are high expectations. You're right. We're gonna have to nitpick these teams all year. I'm just excited. You know, they they roll the baseballs out there. Even the Pittsburgh Pirates are going to start opening day 0 and 0. You know, all, all these teams have the the hope in their eyes, which is always exciting for for baseball and for opening day. But um, we'll talk. Let's talk some basketball quickly before we go on that rush. The uh, New York Knicks, they're struggling. They lost three in a row. They lost to the T Wolves, who were without Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. They lost the Heat. And they lost to my Orlando Magic. I really think this team is going to go as far. As Jalen Brunson takes them, like they are lost without him. But he he was out for the Magic game. Julius Randle went into Julius Randle mode. Dumb turnovers, you know, stupid shots, and of course the jawing at the refs, the technical foul, the bad luck of having Emmanuel quickly have to be the one to calm him down as a veteran. And it didn't even work. It didn't work. Like, have have you changed your thoughts on this Knicks team at all? Because I'm still in the same boat. I still think. When Jalen Brunson plays, when they're when they're wheeling and dealing as a team, I still think they're pretty good. I still think they could win the first round. I still think they could win possibly two games against a team like Boston or Milwaukee. But if Brunson's not in or if he's not 100%, they are, they are doomed. I think I was a lot higher on them than I was previously. I think I was all in two weeks ago. Oh, they could make a run. They could be the Hawks of a couple of years ago. I, I think I have to take a big step back. Wow. There's just inconsistency. Right? Like, there's just, it's just, it's not there. I don't know what it is. Like, Julius Randle's doing Julius Randle things. The defense was non existent during this losing streak, which, look, you, you, they give well over 100 points to three teams that are not great offensively. Like, the Heat are not an offensive, offensively gifted team. They win games 99 97, you know, 105, 103. The T Wolves without their two best players, I couldn't name you three other players on that team other than Carl Anthony Towns, uh, Anthony Edwards and Rudy Gobert. Like that team is, is, is basically useless. And then the magic are a nice young scrappy team. And you gave up a combined Thank you. 378 nice points. Like, and the magic stink at shooting threes and they shot lights out. Yeah. Like the Knicks have all year though, to be like, honest, no, two like, weeks ago, the, the Knicks were like top five in, in three point defense. And now they just give all these points to these guys. I don't know what it is. Like, I get being tired, and, and there's an argument that you know Thibodeau is is running these guys into the ground. But this is the part of the year where you start to turn it up. You don't turn it down. 
like a month ago, if you hit this this skid and you lost it and you were kind of in a weird spot, I get it. But this is go time, baby. Like you had a chance a week ago to be the four seed, and now you, you're two games up on the six seed. So we're talking about oh, they can handle, they can beat the Cavs. I think it's a coin flip series. I was a little more confident two weeks ago. Now they might not get to face the Cavs in the playoffs, and that to me is where the real failure comes in because you grind these regular seasons to put yourself in a position to be in that four or five matchup, to have a chance to win a playoff series. And the fact that it might, you might lose it down here in the last nine, 10 games of the season is, is pointless. At that point, you might've packed away the season, you know, a little while ago. What was the point of going on that run a couple, you know, three, four weeks ago? Cause, cause now yeah. you're right back where you started. You might not make that four or five matchup. And the tough part for the Knicks is they don't have any throwaway games the rest of the year, except for tonight against Houston. Like, they've got Miami after that. They've got Cleveland on Friday. They've got Washington, who is right now, uh, you know, they're two and a half games out of the plan. So maybe they're not playing super hard. They've got Indiana twice, who's in that same boat. And they've got New Orleans, who is another team that's fighting for the playoffs. So the Magic were supposed to be a, a gimme game. Like, if you beat the Magic and beat the Rockets, like, okay, we're going to be fine. We'll figure it out. We're going to be the five seed. But now it's like, you better hold on because you're right. If they go through all this and they end up being, you know, the six or seven, that's where you get in trouble. They're two games up on the Nets and the Heat. The Heat are going to have another crack at them on Wednesday. So you better get right tonight. And is Jalen Brunson playing? Do we know? I have no clue. I mean, I, if I'm the Knicks, I'm not playing him. But like, it's just. But do you, do you dress him so in case you need him? Yeah, I mean, that could be one of the plays. It's just like. The, yeah, you're right. The inconsistencies. And a lot of that starts with Julius Randle and also R.J. Barrett. It's like those are your number two and your number threes. But R.J. isn't your number three anymore. He's, he's not good. Like he's not. He, he, he's supposed I mean, to be that guy. You would like him to be your number I'm three. I'm not saying they're a big three. I'm saying he's, he's still I, a third no, best he's not. player. Who's better than him? Josh Hart? Could quickly be better. Could Grimes be better at this point? In terms of impact, he's not. The only impact he's giving you is, is in the negative. Like, he yeah, no, should I, be your number three. True. He's probably your third, I guess, most important player. He should be. But at this point, he's not. Like, yeah, he's getting benched might in, in primetime minutes for Josh Hart, who wasn't on this team two months ago. Yeah, I think quickly actually isn't a bad call. He might be their third best player, which is crazy the, considering the amount of money that R.J. Bear is now making. But you know, those are kind of problems you have to address down the future. Like, this is your team right now, and I still think – with Jalen Brunson, they can be fine. But if he's not going to be 100% the rest of the year, the the worry in the offseason is going to be, you know, what is this team? Because Julius Randle clearly has issues that don't look to be resolved anytime soon. R.J. Barrett's inconsistent. You said bad. I won't say that. I'll say inconsistent. But he's been bad at times. He's been awful. He's, what, 3 for 12 from the floor against the Magic? So there could, you know, if this team goes out like they did against the Hawks or the Cavs, this is a, a real different conversation than we had about a month ago yeah. with this squad and just being like, what, what are these guys? But this is also a team that's nine games above 500. Like, that's impressive. Like, they've clinched a above 500 record. They're not in the right, West, but, but if they were in the West. Right now, well, like, let's talk about like this. If, way. They're better than the Mavs are right now. And we'll get to the Mavs in, in a little bit in Out of Man Rush. But, like, I guess to shed some positivity on it, because I've been very negative on them this segment, like, they're nine games over 500. This is a team that... I don't want to say wasn't expected to be here because like they were too bad last year, right? Like they've kind of, they're where they should be, right? A five, yeah, six, a four, five, six kind of team. And now it's about, Hey, like this was a building year. You've got to kind of, I don't want to say give up on this year, but like if you're the four or five or six, you're not winning a championship. So like 
it'd be nice to win a playoff series, but to get some more experience and to retool and go out there and find pieces that you need to really make a big step forward. I think it's, that's almost more important than, you know, the, the end of the season, I guess. Well, well, I'm not worried about that. Like, I still think it's a good season for them. It's more so like, okay, like is Julius Randall even worth being on this team? Like is art, what, why do we give RJ that contract? Like that's more of the conversation I'm talking about. Like Julius Randall's a head case. He's a great basketball player when he's, when he's right. But he has these episodes where you're like, like, where do we, what do we do? But he's also one of like three players that are averaging 25 points and 10 rebounds a game. So like, again, he's a great player, but, but is it worth, if he has a meltdown in the playoffs, like, is it worth putting up with that? He's not LeBron. He's not Kevin Durant. And, and I guess if I he was, what, he probably wouldn't be doing these things. What's the value you're getting from, for a, a Julius Randle trade? Cause he, he's got a very tradable contract. Very. Right. Can you bring in, is Jimmy Butler going to be disgruntled and you'll bring in Jimmy Butler and you'll, you'll throw Julius Randle and a couple picks their way and maybe Quentin Grimes in that direction. Like, is that, is that a kind of trade that you, you, you know, comes your way and then maybe you open it up more for RJ Barrett and, and then maybe Obi top and get some more run. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what the answer is, but I think everyone's on the table, not named Jalen Brunson this off season for the net for the Knicks. He's the yeah, only true superstar you have at this point. That's basically my point is like, He's a guy that if a team calls, you're not immediately hanging up the phone. No. Like, you're, well, there's you're no one on this team except for Brunson team. that you're not immediately hanging up the phone. Like, I'll listen yeah, for no. anybody. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, that's where the Knicks are at. They've got winnable games on the stretch. No, Nothing's impossible. Everyone they're playing, they have a better record then. But I was just saying, you know, these scrappy teams seem to give the Knicks problems. They've got to just crush the Rockets tonight, though. That's kind of where it starts. Yeah, for sure. Um, But I'll hand it over to you, Matt, for some odd man rush. Thank you. You're only... Unless I'm boring you. No, we're, I mean, I, I got a half hour break and you're making me go for, for almost an hour here, buddy. Okay, my apologies. Yeah, I should be. Uh, Caitlin Clark, Luke, in Odd Man Rock, will lead, lead the show. Yes. Triple-double powers Iowa into the Final Four. Their first Final Four appearance since 1993. My brother was just, was not even born yet when they made that run, believe it or not. And not to flex, I had Iowa in my Final Four of my women's bracket. So I had them playing South Carolina who plays tonight. So if they win, I'll have two of the four final four. So look at me go at a you know, South Carolina. I'm really going on a limb. They haven't lost the game all year. And they're like, the, the bets was like, do you want South Carolina or the field? So <laughs> it wasn't going on a limb, but yeah, Caitlin Clark's electric. I mean, she is, you know, Steph Curry for the women's game. Like she's, a, she's pulling up from deep. The crowds are Really great. Like when they were playing home games this year, Iowa, they were selling out. They're they're a good sports town, Iowa. They they show up for wrestling, they show up for women's basketball. It's really cool to see, but she's she's turning some heads. She's must watch. Like I put the game on because I saw like she was in the game, right? Yeah. And she put up and she's in this point. Forty points in the triple double. That's the first one in either side, men's or women's tournament history. I think she got a a fake tenth re- rebound. I didn't see her catch Ooh, the Giannis rebound. rebound. I don't know, but I think they might have just given it to her. Like they might have okay. went back in the video and be like, oh, you know, I think she actually did get that rebound. But no, she deserves it. like that was an awesome game. She shot eleven for nineteen. Like, I, yeah. Do we ever see like ninety-seven points in a women's game? Like, I feel like I've never seen like that's rare to me. No, like prime UConn when they were playing like USF, maybe. And it'd be like yeah, ninety-five no, to like fifteen. Yeah, exactly. But that was awesome. As you said, Luke, uh, she'll face either Maryland or South Carolina that game tonight. Uh, the men's Final Four, though, Luke, that's all set. Miami takes down Texas, come back from a 13-point second-half deficit to win it. Uh, Jordan Miller 
seven for seven from the floor, eleven for eleven from the from the stripe. And then you've got the maybe not the more interesting game, but the more interesting end to the game was the Creighton San Diego State game. Just hideous. It was very defensive. No one could hit a shot. Did you see the final foul call? I know you were you were in the car at that point. Yeah, I did. And I feel like we're having these conversations now about every sport. It's like, okay, that's a foul, but do you call it there? I feel like that's where we are at in life right now. We did it with the Super Bowl. We've done it a million times before. It's a foul. I don't. It's it's ticky tacky, but it, I mean, he he got his hand on him. I mean, the guy was in the air, and his hand was on the guy's hip. Yeah, like like they're calling that every time. I'm sorry. There, if we get into situational stuff, it's just it gets too dicey. Like the refs, they get a lot of crap, rightfully so sometimes. But at the end of the day, like all you can do is call what you see. You can't think about how much time's on the clock, what's on the line, things like that. It's it's unfortunate, but that's how you got to call the game. Yeah, and 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 a brutal loss for you and your Creighton future. But Miami did did take care of business for you. Yeah, we and backed me. it up. I thought Miami was dead, so I have. I had two Final Four features, Creighton and Miami. They were only two. I put them in a month ago. I almost had both of them, but once Creighton lost, I was like, I'm dead. There's no way. I, unfortunately, I had, had some some stuff come up, so I was I was driving during the Miami game. I checked the score. They're down in the second. I'm like, ah, oh, man, it's over. And then I see, like, slowly, like, texts coming and tweets coming in Miami. I'm like, what's going on? Check the score again. And they, they had pulled within two. And the fact that they pull away late, I mean – it's it's such a weird Final Four, and that's the debate right now on Twitter. Is like, is this good or is last year good with the Blue Bloods? It's like, it's look, they're not going to get as many eyeballs this year, that's for sure. But you know, you've got some some fun stories. If UConn doesn't win, like we're going to see a first time national champion. I think I want like a balance between the two. I guess I don't get to choose, but like FAU Final Four, like I would like to see them go up against like I don't know, like could we have done like FAU Miami and then San Diego State UConn, so I could have the chance of two like actual teams in the finals. Like, yeah, you can't tell me like Miami, San Diego State sounds sexy to you. No, I mean, maybe the beaches sound sexy, but like the the teams like UConn sounds great. Miami sounds great. The other side. eh. Yeah, it is kind of tough that one of those two is going to, you know, one of Florida Atlantic, San Diego State is going to be playing for the national championship. It's weird. Last year was very fun, obviously, with Duke, UNC, Villanova, Kansas. Like, that was awesome. But it's it's fun to see some new blood. And, like, I, I just want to see Florida Atlantic win because we haven't seen it since 1990. Or I guess San Diego State falls in that, too, a non-Power 5 team winning a national championship. Like, that's the, – the world would explode. Like, how does this happen? It'd be awesome. It'd be really cool, though. Uh, let's, get to the the, uh, let's get to the other hardwood, Luke, if you don't mind. Fine. Shut me up. The NBA hardwood. LeBron, back on the floor after missing 13 games – Came off the bench and gave his team, you know, almost 20 points. Six of 11 shooting. Uh, they did lose to the Bulls, but <laughs> this what? I'm just laughing at the the LeBron James of feet. Uh, that was an all-time tweet. Yes, LeBron considered the surgeon that he saw, or the, the doctor he saw, the LeBron James of feet, who said he doesn't need to get surgery, and he'll be back before you know it. And nonetheless, It's like, crazy, because our friend of the show, Pat O'Chang, is who I refer to as the LeBron James of feet. Oh, jeez. You know, I thought it, I wasn't going to say it, but, um, yeah, so I've heard. Anyway, I'm excited for the Lakers. You get him back, hopefully he can start come playoff time. They're two games, I think they're in a playoff spot by about two games or so. They could reach the sixth seed even. They're just two games back of Golden State. Like, this is a team, I don't want to say the whole, you don't want to see them in the playoffs. Like, you you don't really want to see this team in the playoffs, we're being honest. No, I mean, you look at the West right now, it's like, no one really has the experience beside the Warriors. It looks like 
two of the three Suns, Clippers, Warriors are going to play in the first round. Like, there is a path here. Like, do you trust the Nuggets? Do you trust the Grizzlies? Do you trust the Kings? Not really. So outside of the Warriors, who right now are the sixth seed, there's not a lot of experience in the playoffs. So if LeBron can get in and, and be healthy, I'm rooting for the run. I know a lot of people won't be, but I'm rooting for the run. Well, you're a LeBron boy. I am a LeBron boy, yes. I, I am too. I'm rooting for him too. I think it's going to be exciting. It'll be fun to to see him you know, work some magic. It's called a Yankee boy and a LeBron boy on the same show. That's right. So that's tough because that's like Yankees Lakers. Uh, next yeah, up, your, your Dallas Cowboys are going to be yeah. doing. Oh, man. Oh, I yeah. Tell you. Um, anyway, uh, Mavericks, they're spiraling, Luke. Luka Doncic, one-game suspension. Uh, they're in the 11th seed right now. They're one game back of Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, they're 7-13 and 13 since the Kyrie trade. Not what you want if you're uh, Luka and the Mavs. Although I think he got his suspension lifted. He did, yeah. It got overturned. I don't know how he overturned a technical, but it was overturned. Yeah, they are spiraling. So do they Anything get those, two, do they get those points back? <laughs> Good question. If it was in the that Warriors game, it would have been important it because yeah. they already got stolen two points from them. But I feel bad for Luca, but it's kind of funny to watch Kyrie just implode another team. Like Luca just at the podium, like I used to have fun and now I just don't anymore. It's it's tough because I like Luca, but. Man, Kyrie Irving, just the gift that keeps on giving. And I'm just I I thank God every day we don't have to talk about him anymore. You're just slurping it right up. Uh final note for Odd Man Rush, Luke Sean Payton was talking today. Oh, I forgot Lamar Jackson's story. Wow. Yeah. Bad guy Matt. Probably more important than not trading Ju- Jerry Judy and Cortland Court- Sutton. Well, but. I thought that you know the Giants were interested in a receiver. Could they have traded for Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton? Probably not, because the Broncos are looking to add talent, not lose it. Uh, final story we'll get to briefly. Lamar Jackson requested a trade on March 2nd. It sounds like he will be gone from the Ravens. Um, interesting to see what kind of market shapes up for him. Yeah, I'm curious. You know, obviously, the Robert Sala today said Rodgers is our guy. Still, he's our target. So it doesn't look like the Jets. So I wonder, you know, will this happen after the draft? Maybe a team doesn't isn't able to trade up for a quarterback, something like that? Or does Lamar just stay with Baltimore? And how does that work out? Does he play? Does he try to sit out? You know, that's always a tough move. We saw Lev Bell do it. Didn't really work out long-term for him. So um, I'm curious to see how it plays out. Yeah, well, that's our man Rush, Luke. I'll throw it back to you. And that's the show. Sorry for keeping you past your lunch break, but we'll be back. Who knows? Maybe this week, maybe next. No one will ever know. Follow us at Wallet and Owens for all the updates. Or just text me or Matt. We're very friendly. I'm not giving out my number, but if you have it, hit me up. Or just slide in my DMs at LukeTheKid3 on Twitter. Uh, That's the show. We'll see you next time here on The Walling Note Show.